0: Game Friday Morning presented by 1053 The Fan.
1: And just like that we are off and running. It is another fantastic Football Friday in North Texas. Hi everybody. Welcome to NBC 5 and 1053 The Fan's Big Game Friday Morning. I am NBC5 sports anchor Pat Doney. We have a huge show coming up, getting you ready for the huge matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have great guests today. USA Today NFL editor Doug Farrar, who is a phenomenal follow on Twitter if you love football. He's going to join us to talk a little Kansas City Chiefs. He had a great breakdown this week talking about why the Chiefs struggle against certain defenses and whether or not we believe the Cowboys are going to present that challenge to Kansas City this weekend. We'll also have former Cowboys quarterback and current Cowboys broadcaster, Babe Laufenberg, talking about the Cowboys and and Dak Prescott specifically in ways that he has seen Dak improve as a player throughout the season. It's going to be a fantastic one hour of football talk here on NBC5 and 105. Three of the fans' big game Friday morning. And as always... I'm joined by my main man from 105.3 defense, Kevin Gray. But, hey, happy football Friday. Man, we are rocking and rolling just before Thanksgiving, huh?
0: Same to you. Good to see you once again. A little bit of a personal weekend for me. I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh-oh. So got personal ties in this game with the Cowboys. Taking on the Chiefs should be a fun weekend of football culminated with the Cowboys visiting arrowhead stadium on sunday house
1: divided there maybe a little for the kevin gray family we're in the purple today as is mr chris blake we, probably we always called, we
2: called each other this morning that's right tcu
1: fans here you don't
3: know, just weigh in on the frogs and <laughs> on that cv how we
2: doing
1: man football friday you
2: doing okay I'm doing well i'm excited for this game on sunday i'm i'm really rooting for like a kind of game. Like, I just want points everywhere on Sunday. Chris
1: just hates defense, apparently. He just wants all the offense, all the points. Well, with these two offenses, you know, you got to spread the wealth. You never know with what we saw last week. But I think it's a great place to start because the thing is, is really the Kansas City Chiefs this year have not been that offense, right? I mean, we all just assume that it's going to happen at some point. And it did last week. I mean, they destroyed the Raiders, but the Raiders did something. And the way that they played them was just like – You have the answers to the test, and you've decided to go ahead and not use the answers to the (laughs) the test. I mean, it, it just was a very interesting approach last week that their defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, decided to use against Patrick Mahomes in this offense. And KG, we've been talking about it all year, whether or not this Chiefs offense, is it back? Do we believe that they're done? Are we ready to give up on them? Here they are now. They're in first place in the AFC West, getting ready to host the Cowboys, and they're favored in the game in Arrowhead.
0: Yeah, it felt like that Kansas City offense was back, especially in the second half against the Las Vegas Raiders. And one thing that the rest of the NFL didn't do when it came to the Kansas City Chiefs when it had the chance to do it was bury the Chiefs. And you allowed them to continue to find life. And they're now on a three game winning streak. Their defense is playing a little bit better these days, only allowing 12 points per game during their three game winning streak. And more importantly, this offense with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill seemingly getting right against the Raiders now have some of their swagger back as they welcome in the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a fantastic matchup. And I think it's very interesting that a lot of people are wondering whether or not this is a a a game that's gonna decide whether or not the Cowboys are good. Is it a barometer game? Is it one of the you know, is this a game that you look at and you say, Oh, is this gonna determine whether or not the Cowboys or Chiefs are good? I'm going to go ahead and just let you know I think the Cowboys are really good and the Chiefs are probably pretty good. I mean, they're probably better than what they've shown to this point. But here's Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy discussing whether or not they think that this game is a barometer and really an opportunity for the Cowboys to prove themselves to the rest of the league.
4: Uh, No, not a measure of state for myself. I mean, I think for this team going into a hostile environment, as you said, playing against a great quarterback, a good offense, a great team. I mean, a team that was – has been been the team of the last two years or the last few years, I'd say. And just uh, knowing how explosive they are, the the, the star power they have, um, as I said, going into their environment, it's, it's a great challenge for us as a team, challenge for our offense and our communication, uh, challenge for us to just stand and play in the ups and the downs. And um, just yeah, excited to go, excited to go into it and um, be a great great atmosphere and ready to yeah, ready to go at it.
3: We know where we are, um, and I know where they they want to go. So I mean,
4: you're gonna see a clash of two really good football teams Sunday afternoon.
1: Can I tell you something that's a really, really, really hot take right now? Oh. Uh, Two really great Titans, he says, getting ready to face off on Sunday afternoon. I'm not buying it right now. I, I still don't believe that Kansas City has solved everything to this point. Again, they've only been good recently in one game, and it was against a team that decided to play a defensive style. That is the way that Kansas City has destroyed everyone for years The numbers are shocking when you look at And we're going to talk to Doug Farrar about this in a little bit. When teams play too high defense against the Chiefs, the Chiefs numbers are like terrible compared to when they play single high defense. They carve them up. And I know I heard Al Michaels, it was funny, talk on the Manning cast the other day. He's like, oh, I don't want to hear too high, one high, you know, light box. (laughs) He said, my eyes glaze over, my ears glaze over when I start to hear that. Just very simple. Break it down here. I'm not a coach, but I can just explain it very easily. Too high means that you have two safeties playing back, which means you have fewer players at the line of scrimmage, which obviously takes away passes down the field, and you're daring an offense to run the ball or throw short passes. Okay? And single high means you only have one safety in the middle of the field deep, and you have more guys at the line of scrimmage, which makes it harder to run the ball typically, but it makes it to where there are huge holes to throw the football down the field. The Chiefs destroy single high because Patrick Mahomes has a cannon and they have great weapons in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. When teams play too high and they give that short you know, field, they allow short passes in the running game to potentially hurt the defense. The Chiefs don't do very well in that because they, they want to win with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball down the field. So he tries to force it in there, and sometimes it works out. This year, nine of his 11 interceptions have come against too high. So I think KG that we're looking at a situation where I expect Dan Quinn to do the right thing, right? I mean, I don't think he's going to put his team in a position to fail. I, I think he's going to go out there and put his guys in the position to succeed. And until I see the Chiefs succeed against that way, I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm not buying. I think the Cowboys are really good. And I think the chiefs are pretty good, but not so much against this defense. Am I crazy?
0: It's interesting. You say that because the Dallas Cowboys run too high safety the sixth lowest rate of any team yep. in the National Football League. Right. Meanwhile, Mahomes has seen that you know 61% of the time this year. So I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkles Dan Quinn is able to throw at the Kansas City Chiefs, as you mentioned, trying to make that offense be patient, allowing them to take what the defense gives them. I wonder what kind of pressure Dan Quinn may be dialing up to try to create some disguise, try to do some things differently to make things confusing, but more importantly, how do you defense Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill is going to be, I think, the most important matchups in this game on Sunday.
1: And this is in no way a knock of Patrick Mahomes, who is still a freakish talent with an incredible arm, and that's not just me saying that, listen to Dak Prescott, what he had to say about Patrick Mahomes when he was asked about him this
4: week. His competitiveness. Uh, he never never believes he's out of a game, thinks he can make every throw, and I think that's uh, that's huge at this position, just to have that confidence. I think it goes a, a long way, and... Um, just bleeding to the to their other teammates and and those guys feeding off of that as well as It's huge and he's a big-time playmaker. He's a a great player Uh, MVP obviously Super Bowl MVP um, special talent
1: so the Cowboys currently sit in Football Outsiders DVOA, and if you don't know what DVOA is, I think it's the best analytical number that's out there. Basically, they put a value on every single play of every single game by every single team because think of it like a three-yard run is not always the same as a three-yard run. Okay, a three-yard run by Zeke in the first uh, on first and 10 when they're up by 33 against the Falcons is not the same as a three-yard run by Zeke on a third and two in the fourth quarter in New England when they're losing, right? Those plays are not valued the same. So they take all these plays, they throw it into a formula, and it shoots out a number of of a percentage above or below zero, zero being an average team. And right now, the Cowboys, they're number three in overall DVOA in the entire NFL, number four in offense, number four in defense. The Chiefs, they're number 14, number five in offense, number 30 in defense. They're the third worst defense, according to Football Outsiders DVOA, To this point, I don't know, man. I I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. I mean, Mike McCarthy said this week he's expecting you know, it to be 140 decibels on the field. I mean, in Minnesota, he said they were impacted in that game, and it was 120 decibels. So, clearly, this is going to be a game that there's a lot of juice, a lot of energy. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too, to hear Patrick Mahomes this week. He was on 610 AM Sports Radio in Kansas City. He has a weekly show there, and he talked about how much he grew up loving the Dallas Cowboys listen to Patrick Mahomes here the former White House Texas native talking on 6:10 a.m in Kansas City I was a pretty big Cowboys fan growing up my dad was a big Cowboys fan so uh, we went to games and stuff like that so uh, it'll definitely be cool to be able to play against them um, especially with Kansas City um, the, with the Chiefs being originally the Dallas Texans I mean it has a lot of history in this game um, and they're obviously a great football team so it's gonna be a, an awesome experience I'm sure I'll have a lot of family members up in the game, and hopefully they're, they're cheering me on and not the other team. Yeah, I think they'll be cheering them on. I mean, come on now. Everybody, <laughs> Kansas City fans, you know, and, and Chiefs, you go to White House, Texas, there are a lot of Patrick Mahomes jerseys and Chiefs flags flying around. It's kind of Chiefs country in the DFW area near Tyler there. I don't know. Kansas City favored by two and a half. What are you thinking, man? I mean, do you feel like. You feel like that's right? I mean, <clears throat> what would you say about the matchup there? Your thoughts in general?
0: Yeah, I would say that's about right. These two teams are about even when you start looking offensively. The Chiefs, number 10 in the NFL in terms of scoring offense. You got the Cowboys, number one in scoring offense, number one total offense in the NFL. You know, while the Kansas City Chiefs aren't sacking the quarterback well this year, defensively, they've been getting better. They moved Chris Jones back into the interior where he's best at. You got Melvin Ingram there you got the human mark removed and Daniel Sorensen at the safety position for Kansas City. Ouch. So they're playing a little bit, you know, playing a little bit better defensively. So I think it's about right, given the fact that this game is on the road for the Dallas Cowboys, going into a very, very hostile environment where it will be the most difficult place to play this season, I imagine, for the Cowboys.
2: Now, I don't know if I've just been hanging out with Pat too much Here we go. this, this <laughs> fall. Come on down. But I don't know. I think the Cowboys have a little bit of an edge in this one the you give three points to the home team which means they see this game as a toss-up and i don't think these two teams are even i think the offenses are probably about equal but if kansas city can do what it did last week against las vegas but these defenses are nowhere close the cowboys defense if they can force a couple turnovers which the chiefs have been prone to this season and the cowboys the cowboys defense is good enough if they force turnovers they're not good enough to stop teams On downs but if they can get a couple turnovers I think the Cowboys you know have a shot to win this game by four or five you know somewhere within one score but you know they can lose by
1: two points and still cover I think that this game just feels like we're all just a little nervous to say that they're gonna beat the Chiefs because the Chiefs are supposed to be Goliath right I mean it's like we all know what they're capable of but they haven't really shown that so far that I mean I really don't think that this Chiefs team is the Chiefs team of old. You know, I mean, little things, small things like Travis Kelsey is not requiring as much double team at this point as he used to. Now he had a great game last week, you know, but that was, you know, the Raiders decided, hey, you know what, every team has had success this season pressing Travis Kelsey and getting up on him and forcing him to fight off the press coverage at the line of scrimmage. You know what we're going to do? We're going to give him seven yards and let him come off, the, you know, and not be touched, <laughs> you know. And what did he do? He, he destroyed them, you know, and so – I, I don't know, man. I have a lot of faith in Dan Quinn. I have a lot of faith in this Cowboys team. They have shown an ability to handle adversity. They've been resilient all year long. And, you know, some, one of our one of our colleagues here at NBC5, Stephen Wright, our operations manager, was asking me. He was like, so if they win this game, are you saying they're going to win out? And I said, no. I, I think they're going to lose at least another game. But it's more likely to me that they lose a game that they get snuck up on a little bit, that they get caught off guard, like Denver. They're not going to be going into this game without any, like, focus. I mean, they're going to be yeah.
2: juiced up for this.
1: There's one. no yeah. doubt. There is there is a zero chance they go into this game with a, with a mentality of like, oh, well, we're not ready for this one. We're going to be caught off guard by the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Mahomes, you know, come on now. This is a bit... Anyway, I I thought it was an interesting article this week in USA Today from Doug Farrar. He's the NFL editor at USA Today. A great follow on Twitter, and uh, we had a chance to talk about it earlier today, earlier this week, excuse me, here on NBC5 Big Game Friday morning. It's Doug Farrar talking Chiefs and Cowboys. Okay, let us welcome Doug Farrar to the show now. He is the NFL editor at USA Today. Does fantastic work, and you can follow him on Twitter at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. Farrar is spelled F A R. R-A-R. Doug, thank you for being a part of Big Game Friday morning and excited to have you on the show today.
5: My pleasure, and uh, yes, it is a big game upcoming, that's for sure.
1: No question about it. And so Doug wrote this week about the Kansas City Chiefs and some of the should we call it, problems they've been having on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, when Patrick Mahomes is playing quarterback, I always feel a little hesitant, Doug, to say that it's a problem with the team because it feels like it could snap out at any moment, and it's just waiting for old takes exposed to look for a tweet that said that they were done. But at the same point, they have struggled against two high specifically which is something the Raiders decided for some reason they weren't going to do last week. And you wrote about it. What is it about too high? Why is this such a challenging thing for the Kansas City Chiefs, the mighty, powerful Chiefs offense, that it seems like they just can't solve this problem to this point?
5: Well, the Raiders actually, they're a cover three team. That's Gus Bradley, their defensive coordinator. Gus, I know Gus from his time in Seattle. Gus will run cover three throughout his career. Um, They did run a lot of too high. Their problem was that the second safety was Jonathan um, Abram, who's really a box guy. So as the game progressed and Mahomes got tired of just throwing underneath and giving, you know, taking what the Raiders gave him in zone, uh, he kind of noticed that Abram was in deep coverage and went, oh, I can exploit that, which he did. Abram allowed nine receptions on nine targets for a perfect passer rating of 158.3. So the Raiders did try too high. They're just not very good at it, and Mahomes is eventually able to exploit that. Um, as far as old takes exposed, uh, I, I think if you're going to be on that uh, Twitter account, a whole bunch of other people are going to be too, including myself. Mahomes has not played well the first half of the season. And the question now is, did he have a favorable matchup against the Raiders who play a, a, a defense that really – is, is good for a guy like that who needs to get back into structure or have the Chiefs figure some things out. Um, as far as why too high is tough for Mahomes, when you have too high safeties, you can kind of bracket Tyree Kill, you can bracket Travis Kelsey, then you can deal with the other guys. Now, the problem with too high is that you're daring the offense to run, and the Chiefs have not been able to run the ball well. So teams stay in too high, they just hang up there, take away the deep ball, and after a while, Mahomes, and this goes back to his days at Texas Tech, Mahomes will get desperate to make big plays if he can't make them sort of in structure. He starts to go off, you know, off script, and occasionally that's good. Most of the time this year, it's been really bad. His interception luck has also been abysmal this season. After three years of great injury luck, it's like every little, you know, bop off a receiver's hand goes to the other team. So there have been issues as far as is Mahomes back? Has it been solved? <sighs> Problems that happened for half a season, you don't look at one game and go, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Dallas presents a lot of interesting challenges that the Raiders didn't. They play a lot of man coverage. They play a lot of match coverage in the zone, which means you know, you're, you're zoning up the receiver at a certain point. You just go with that receiver wherever he goes. Uh, Mahomes has not been great against that kind of coverage this season. Uh, Dallas is more aggressive on defense. Uh, now, the Raiders do have great outside pass rushers. With the Cowboys, you've got, um, you've got Parsons outside. You've got Ovechizua, who's really underrated on the inside. That guy's been a force, and they'll put him outside too. Um, I think another thing that's really come around for the Chiefs is their offensive line. They have five new starters this year. None of their five guys were in the Super Bowl starting. And it takes a while, as you know, to get that line continuity together. Um, I also think their defense is playing slightly better, which, and Mahomes said before uh, the Raiders game, I need to relearn that I don't have to make, you know, big desperation plays all the time. The defense will cover to a point, and that's been true. It's not a great defense, but it's good enough. So I think part of it is Mahomes just calming down in his head and understanding what the game will give him and what he needs to aggressively attack.
1: I, I think it's fair to say, though, at this point, my opinion here, I think it's fair to say that until we see him succeed against a defense like that, if the Cowboys come out and play the way that, that you were mentioning right there, until they, until I see him succeed against a non-single high defense like what you were mentioning, the Raiders a second ago, then I'm not going to sit here and say all of a sudden it's solved because, you know, I think that that's how teams are going to continue to attack him. And you mentioned, you know, Gus Bradley's going to run cover three over and over again, and I understand that. But Doug, I, I'm curious your thoughts on Dan Quinn because for me, you don't see NFL coaches change very often. But Dan has come to the Cowboys and he has left the Seattle cover three scheme behind in Atlanta, not completely, yes. but they're one of the they run cover three almost less than just about everybody else in the NFL. I'm I am amazed at what Dan Quinn has done from the standpoint of just reinventing himself. You, you're with me on this, right? This does not happen in the NFL. Guys yes. don't change who they are in these circumstances.
5: Well, they do. I mean, Belichick has always been legendary for you know game planning for opponents. He's a goat um, for the Dan's reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the goat for a yeah. reason, right? Uh, right. Um, and I, Dan's another guy I know from his time in Seattle, and Dan is always very multiple in his fronts, and he's always very – Dan doesn't have a specific – I'm going to do this no matter what. Um, I think a lot of the problems with Dallas' defense last year with Mike Nolan is Mike came in with his own sort of structure, and whether the personnel fit it or not, that's just what he was going to do. Dan has you know, Dan's more adept than that. He, he will look at his personnel. And he'll say, what are the best things that I can do with this defense, with the personnel I have against this opponent, and you saw that against the Falcons, who, as we speak, are just getting boat-raced by the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. Poor Falcons. Mm. Uh, they allowed, or they uh, caused, the lowest passer rating Matt Ryan has had in his estimable, estimable career, and that was aggressive coverage. They knew that there weren't a lot of deep threats. Calvin Ridley is out. You know, Coreyll Patterson was injured, so they came down. They they've stacked a lot. I mean, they would play deep coverage, but they didn't give anything up. They didn't go, okay we have to play back, they just they came after it. It'll be really interesting, fascinating, in fact, to see Do they? Do, does Dan Quinn and, and his staff believe that they can do that with Mahomes, or do they back off, play the straight two-high show? I think you're going to see some wrinkles. I think it'll be a lot of two-high, a lot of two-man, two deep safeties, man across the board, he'll play some two-match. He will do two-high and then spin coverage to single. They do that a lot. They do it very well. So, with Dan, there is not one, as you intimated, it, you know, there's not one specific defensive profile that they have, and they're just going to run that no matter what.
1: I think two man would be a great approach in this game. You know, yeah. look at it and say, hey, if Mahomes is going to beat us scrambling, then I'm willing to go down that way. I mean, if that's the reason that you don't win the game is because Patrick Mahomes is able to pick up, you know, some first downs running the football, that's a way that I'm willing to give up some points if I'm the Dallas Cowboys. I wanted to ask you about they would take he- that all day. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I wanted It'll to ask you about the the Chiefs' defense. You mentioned, um, you know, statistically they haven't been good. I think they're 30th in DVOA right now going into this game. Uh, overall, though, uh, if if I'm Steve Spagnola, I might look at this and say I'm all going guns blazing. You know, run, going crazy trying to put pressure on Prescott, and it's go big or go home. You disagree? What do you think is the the approach that they would go no, 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 this no, way? No,
5: no. Let me read a few stats. This is my uh, – I should be wearing a Dak for MVP shirt because that's where I am right now. Against <laughs> no five argument or more on this show. No this argument on this
1: show at all
5: whatsoever. I would imagine against five yeah, against five more pass rushers this season, Dak Prescott has 16 touchdowns and three interceptions. There are five quarterbacks tied for second against the Blitz with seven. Dak has completely outpaced the field when it comes to performing against the Blitz. There are multiple reasons for that. His ability to see the entire field to pick up extra rushers, uh, the way Kellen Moore schemes his receivers open. Uh, sh- good Lord, Zeke Elliott takes pass protection personally. No They're running a lot of heavy with Connor McGovern as sort of that movable tackle all over the place. Uh, now, the Chiefs have run blitz a, a very a, a lot. 100, I believe 100 snaps of blitz this season, 100 pass attempts. They've allowed 10 touchdowns with one interception. They're not very good. I mean, they blitz a lot. The coverage is not.
1: But but isn't there something to the the philosophy? Isn't there something to the philosophy for the Chiefs that you go big or go home, and if you don't get it, if you don't get home to Dak, then you're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. But if you're able to get to Dak, and I agree with you, he is great against the Blitz. I don't understand why. He was the most blitzed quarterback in the NFL going into the Minnesota game. He didn't play, which was shocking to me. I couldn't believe that teams were keeping on doing this. But here he is now. I just wonder if Spagnuolo says we're not going to stop him anyway. We might as well maybe try and get it one or two times we force him to punt. I could be wrong about it. But regardless, I think the Cowboys are going to have a lot of success moving to football on Sunday. Do you agree about that?
5: Yeah. Well, there's one kind of blitz that Spagnuolo does more than any other one, any other defensive coordinator, zero blitz, which is bring the house, no safeties up top. Uh, we saw this a lot with the Dolphins and what they did to Lamar Jackson last Thursday. Um the Chiefs run a ton of that. They're very good at that particular blitz because that really is bringing the house. And Dak hasn't been as good against zero blitz. Um, so I would expect to see a lot of that. I think if you're Spagnola, you have to look at, I believe, is Michael Gallup back now? So you you got CD Lane, you got Lanning, that, yeah. Amari Cooper. You know, you've got all sorts of packages. Callum Moore is dialing up and off. You know, he, that Cowboys offensive tape is like the most fun thing to watch in my <laughs> week because you never know what you're going to get. They had that. The third, I have to mention the 37-yard screen to C.D. Lamb where they had two tight ends and Connor McGovern in so uh, cool. quads left. I, I went back and looked at Sports Info Solutions database. There's only one time in the NFL that that, you know, quads left, two tight ends, and an extra offensive lineman. The Cardinals did it in week 17 of 2019. It's the only other time it happened. That was a four-yard game. Cowboys got 37. So Perfect. if I'm Spagnuolo, I'm hanging back. You know, they, they reduced the snaps for Daniel Sorensen, which they needed to do, because Sorensen is just, he's a liability. Um, they moved Chris Jones back inside, which they really needed to do. Uh, their run defense has not been good. They got Melvin Ingram, who was unhappy with his playtime in Pittsburgh, and Melvin Ingram has been kind of a revelation. So their defense is improving. And with the Chiefs, they've always thought, with Mahomes, if we have a league average defense, if we're like 15th or 16th in DVOA, and our offense is running the way it's supposed to. We can go to a Super Bowl. The last two years, even have been right. So, you know, they're they're trending up. But this is a horrible matchup for any defense. Dallas' offense is right now.
1: Doug Farrar, absolutely correct about that. You can find him on Twitter again, at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. Ferrara is spelled F-A-R-R-A-R. He does a great job covering the NFL. One of my favorite follows on social media because I learn things. I, I, I love to follow football writers Analysts who explain things at a pretty simple level because a guy like I, I needed that <laughs> It can't be too complex, right? So he did a great job and he mentioned in there He was talking about his Dak for MVP You know can campaign right now if you're wondering Dak is currently third in the in Las Vegas in the NFL MVP Odds, you know, he's third behind Josh Allen is the favorite right now the Buffalo Bills quarterback and Tom Brady is second and Dak. is is third. I have my thoughts. KG, I'm going to let you go first, though. Your thoughts, Dak, to, Dak for the MVP. Your your general thoughts. Do we think it happens? Do we think it's uh, still an uphill climb? Where where would you put it right now in your mind?
0: I'd put him right there at the top of the conversation. And you talk about the efficiency numbers, you know, the completion percentage, you know, top three in the NFL, you know, 20 touchdown passes, you know, he's been phenomenal. And when he's had his opportunities to push the ball down the field you like the way that he's been able to take what defenses give them, what gives him, and then be able to exploit matchups. So I think he's definitely at the top of the conversation. If the Cowboys find themselves with a top three seed in the NFC, I would not be surprised if Dak Prescott wins the NFL's MVP, especially if they find their way all the way to the number one seed by season's end.
1: Not to mention, okay, the MVP is not necessarily given to the best player, right? Here's what I mean. This is an award given by sports writers, and a lot of time narrative goes into this and storylines go into this. I think that if it's tied between Dak and Tom Brady with all that Dak has gone through to come back from the the ankle injury last year, leading the Cowboys, as you mentioned, to potentially a high seed in the playoffs, I think that actually benefits Dak in this conversation and in the voting, don't you? I mean, there's some Brady fatigue. There has to be after – what is it? He's been playing for 47 years, it feels like, <laughs> That's right? what
0: it feels like between Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Prescott, Josh Allen. You know, these, I think, are going to be the top candidates. Kyler Murray, you know, he's been missing the last couple of games. These are the top candidates to me. But I think you're right in the sense of Dax Prescott has a terrific story. He's going he's gonna to win Comeback Player of the Year, hands down. No doubt. Um, but the NFL's MVP race is still up for grabs. And I think if he has a monster second half and gets them to a top two seed, I think there will be a lot of folks that look at Prescott's story and say, you know what, not only did he come back from the injury, but he played at an extremely high level to give this Cowboys team the best chance to win every week, and I think he would be firmly in that conversation there.
1: One thing that hurts him a little bit is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the easiest schedule remaining in the NFC, according to Football Outsiders DVOA statistic. The Cowboys have an easy schedule. It's in the top third, you know, but it's the race to the one seed, and traditionally, usually – no, no scientific research done here, so you know, grant me a little bit of grace here. But my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, it feels like the quarterback of the one seed team that's been the most dominant as long as he's had a good year usually ends up getting the MVP. By the way, in Football Outsiders DVOA, the Buffalo Bills right now are considered the number one team in the NFL. They have a 32 team overall DVOA. That I means a 32% better than an average team. That likely is the reason that Josh Allen is the favorite right now. It's so interesting to me, though, and maybe just because I'm a football nerd, but teams are playing the Buffalo Bills the same way we've been talking all morning about how they're playing Patrick Mahomes because they know the same thing, that the Bills typically don't want to win by handing the football off for six or seven yards. They want their their prized possession, Josh Allen, going out there and just throwing rockets all over the field to Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and all the. They want, they want their guy to go win the game for them, but defenses are basically saying, no, we, we want the Bills to beat us with the running game, not with Josh Allen tearing us apart. So that'll be interesting how much stats have to play into that, because I'm not sure Josh Allen's stats are going to be the same as Dak Prescott's as well. Chris, would you give uh, Dak Prescott the MVP right now, or where, where are you at on the Dak for MVP
2: conversation? I I'm with KG. I think it's between him and Tom Brady for me at this point. I think Matthew Stafford was up there for a while, but the Rams have lost a couple straight. Aaron Rodgers was probably in the conversation again until his recent exploits. Um, you know, <laughs> speaking of
1: narratives impacting yeah, the MVP mar- voting. Exactly. The, the,
2: the voters are writers. They're humans. Kyler Murray with the injuries. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised to hear you say because I hadn't looked at the odds that Josh Allen was still the favorite because it doesn't feel like he's had that kind of dominating season so yeah. far.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And the uh, the thing that could hurt Josh Allen is that the Tennessee Titans are probably going to go fourteen and three or fifteen and two. Right now they're eight and two, and their schedule remaining, they have one really challenging game left. And that's against the, the New England Patriots, who we saw Thursday Night Football look fantastic again. I'm a believer in the Patriots. I have been for a while. Mac Jones doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He seems to be very careful with the football. Meanwhile, their defense is just a bunch of yeah, one guy. You know, one coach said to me, "He's they're just a bunch of butt kickers." You know, the it's, it's like, way we'll <laughs> yeah. just call it that, right? They just don't mess around. You know, so the Patriots. That's going to be a tough game for anybody, especially Tennessee, but. You know, maybe that hurts Josh Allen a little bit. If they don't get the one seed there, but right now he's the favorite. I don't know. Overall, I just think it's a really interesting conversation. And I think Dak has a chance to really – this is a statement opportunity. On Sunday against the Chiefs, you a lot of eyeballs on this game, man.
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of folks, the conversation has been with Prescott, especially once he got his contract, well, he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. Why is he getting a contract that's upwards of $40 million? This is the opportunity that a lot of folks have been waiting for to see – Mahomes and Prescott go at it on the same field at the same time and see who is the better quarterback. But
1: should they pay him? You know, I just don't know if they
0: should pay him, KG. (laughs) exactly. That 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 was not even a a year ago. Exactly. And Prescott has proven it time and time again that he's worth what he's being paid. And now he gets to go up against arguably what's been the best quarterback in the NFL over the past three years. And like Chris, I'm rooting for a bunch of points to be scored in this football game. Defense can be optional in this game. Yeah, it's fine with me. I'm okay with that in this game Uh, to see these two quarterbacks with these offenses go at it. It should be a lot of fun to watch these two throw the football on Sunday. You're
1: going to get your points. These defenses, I mean, I think the Cowboys' defense is fine. The Chiefs' defense is bad. I just, I think there's going to be a lot <laughs> of points scored. It's going to be a fun afternoon. Hey, uh, we had a great opportunity to speak to former Cowboys quarterback. I had the chance to talk to Babe Laufenberg, who's part of the – the Cowboys uh, radio network on 105.3, the fan he calls the games as an analyst. And great conversation with him uh, about this Cowboys team to this point. It's an opportunity for you all, if you're watching on the NBC DFW stream on NBCDFW.com or on our app to see my Christmas tree, which is up way too early in my living room. Here's my conversation with former Cowboys quarterback, current Cowboys broadcaster, Babe Laufenberg. Babe, when I look at the Cowboys turnaround from last season to this season, when I look at the turnaround from the Broncos game to the Falcons game, it's just a great reminder to me, and I'm sure you see it as well. The NFL is so close. I mean, these teams, the difference between being great and being bad is just such a small, narrow margin right now. What have been your general thoughts on what you've seen from the 2021 Cowboys and this remarkable start now more than halfway through the season that we've seen so far?
3: I think there's certainly a contender, Pat. Obviously, as you well know, uh, for you to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, the ball has to bounce your way. You know, it's a funny-shaped ball, and it bounces strange. Uh, Sometimes it's your year for the ball to bounce your way, and other years it doesn't happen. And you can go back, and you can look at New England's championships. Uh, Adam Vinatieri kicking the ball in the snow, the tuck game. Um, The list goes on and on of how the Patriots got there, they weren't always this dominating team. Now, they obviously found a way to win it at the end, Uh, the interception uh, against Seattle at the one-yard line. Any number of ways, they could have lost it. So I always look at it this way. Is your team capable of getting there and winning it? I don't think there's any clear-cut favorite this year, but I think there's no doubt the Cowboys are one of those handful of teams that are capable of getting there and winning it. Now your opinion about the quarterback position, especially, you know, carries
1: a lot of, a lot of weight. i played, you played in the NFL. I know you're a QB coach now for a lot of young quarterbacks in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And one thing that stands out to me, babe, about Dak Prescott's development is that quarterbacks don't typically get more accurate in the NFL. And yet here he is and his accuracy has gone from kind of average when he came into the league, into the league. And now he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Can, can you speak to just how rare that is in seeing an elite player gain and get better in that aspect of the quarterback position?
3: I think you can always refine your skill, and that transcends football. It's any sport. But, I mean, if, if you cannot throw a football and hit a tree, okay, we're going to have some trouble, <laughs> right? But if you can sit there, you can get better. I remember I asked Michael Johnson, the uh, Olympic sprinter, um, what is he, 48-time gold medal winner? Matter of fact, he doesn't have any silver. He said, it's not that I don't like silver. I just don't have any. <laughs> but uh, I said, Michael, can you make me fast? He said, I can't make you fast, but I can make you faster. So I think to that end, you can't take somebody who's, who's not an accurate passer and make him an accurate passer. But you can certainly become more accurate, and Dak has certainly done that.
1: As for this matchup against the Chiefs on Sunday, I mean, this is – a Cowboys team that wasn't expected to be much, and they're much, you know, and meanwhile the Chiefs were expected to be everything. And they've kind of been middle of the road until last week against the Raiders. Um, how much do you look at this game as a bit of a measuring stick for the Cowboys and just how special this season can be the rest of the way?
3: I think the Cowboys are no longer at that point where they need a measuring stick to let them or us know how good they are. I think we can all acknowledge they're they're a really good football team. Uh maybe the best offense in the NFL and defense is certainly playing well enough uh, to win games the way the offense is playing. So I I don't look at this one, Pat, as a measuring stick. Certainly it's a big game. It's a fun game. It's two good teams, but if the Cowboys were to lose, I I would not say, Oh, well, that that just shows they can't do it. Uh, Conversely, if they win, I I can't necessarily say, well, there's your Super Bowl team. But uh, you know, to me, the game that impressed me most, it was funny. It was a loss. It was the opening game of the season. But when they went to Tampa, as Tampa was celebrating their Super Bowl victory from last year in the city where they won it, and for the Cowboys to go there and basically go down to a last second field goal for Tampa Bay, uh, that that showed me a lot because there was a lot of emotion on Tampa Bay's side. So you're going up against Brady, you're doing all those things. Um, And for them to play the way they did against Tampa, I said, okay, they, they can play with anybody. Yeah, they seem to be
1: responding. You know, every single week, the adversity just about, it doesn't matter. You know, they they bounce back. Big credit to Mike McCarthy for that. Uh, The final thing I wanted to ask you about was just Micah Parsons, Cowboys working linebacker. You know better than a lot, you know, how hard it is to transition from college football to the NFL, the overwhelming nature of trying to make the transition to becoming a pro. For Parsons to be playing different positions at a high level as a rookie and make the impact he has made to this point. I mean, I'm not crazy, right? This is remarkable what we are seeing from the Cowboys number 11, right?
3: Well, you're crazy, Pat, but it is remarkable. Those can both be true statements. Touche, uh, touche, touche. Yes, Touché. yes. yes. Um, Yeah, to move him around as a rookie, and and remember, he did not play last year at Penn State. He opted out. He's only got 13 college starts under his belt, which, which is unusual for a player taken at that 12th spot in the draft like he was. But for him to be able to maneuver around and play different spots and rush a passer and play linebacker and cover, that's hard because obviously you're not getting the practice time at those things. Whereas a pass rusher, boom, his entire practice is spent basically rushing the passer, right? Now at linebacker, you've got to rush the passer. You've got to play coverage. You've got to play zone. You've got to drop in man. So it's a kind of a daunting task, and kudos to him for being able to handle it all. A
1: daunting task for sure. Really appreciate Babe Loffenberg from 1053, the Fans Cowboys broadcast part of the Cowboys Radio Network, joining us here, the former Cowboys quarterback. Micah Parsons is just a phenomenal player to this point. But also, you know, one of the things that's been really good for this Cowboys team recently has been the offensive line, and they've been handled the injuries. They've handled Tyron Smith being out, they've handled Lyle Collins being out for a little bit. And I look at it and I, you know, I say, hey, man, the only question I have is, at is Connor Williams has not really played great and, and you think that Connor McGovern might step in and start this week from what you're hearing?
0: It might be graduation day for Connor McGovern wow. to be able to start at the left guard spot. Connor Williams has mentioned thirteen penalties, you know, leading the NFL in that category this season. And Connor McGovern's been playing in a lot of different spots, whether it be lining up, you know, at fullback, wide receiver, he's done a lot of different things. And I think this is an opportunity this week. And from what I'm hearing, Connor McGovern may be getting the start on Sunday in place of Connor Williams. So it'll be interesting to see how he works himself into the offensive line, especially with Tyron Smith looking and trending like he's going to be coming back for the Cowboys on Sunday. Also, but Connor McGovern there at left guard is a lot of things that a lot of Cowboys. Are saying, when are you going to put Connor McGovern there at left guard? looks like you may get your opportunity to see that on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch to see how he takes advantage of that opportunity if he is given the opportunity there at left guard. Uh, all right, every week or just about every week we do a little segment called If the Super Bowl Were Today where we say who we believe, which two teams would play in the Super Bowl if it was happening today. And it seems to change just about every week for good reason because a lot changes in the NFL every single week. Chris Blake, you're going first. What, what would be the Super Bowl matchup if the Super Bowl were to be played today? I'm going to continue to stick with the Buffalo Bills from the AFC. You've never doubted them. (laughs) I don't think
2: I've deviated from that all season. You've been consistent. And and I'm going to move the Packers in from the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is continuing to look good. He's got not a lot of weapons but enough. And their defense has been really surprising. It's allowed the third fewest points in the NFL on a per-game basis this season. Uh, So, you know, I think that combination gives them, you know, a good shot. And, like we talk about a lot, they have a pretty good path to get guys healthy maybe get a buy. yeah that's so important when we
1: get to that time of year yeah I, you know i was in on the on the packers here joining the you know the early that was my preseason That was pick. Your preseason but think, you you jumped off against the browns you know <laughs> 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 maybe not so much on cleveland's <laughs> side now uh, i'm rolling with what i've said the last few weeks for the most part too here and there uh, i have cowboys bills as well I, I think this dallas team has handled a lot of adversity i think they have depth and on the uh, AFC side, I just think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. I mean, that's all there is to it. And I think they have, while they might have to go on the road to play Tennessee, because I think Tennessee has the inside track at the one seed, I just I don't trust the Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill leading the way without Derrick Henry to potentially win huge games down the stretch. If, he's, if he proves me wrong, I will admit it. You know, But at this point right now, Julio Jones has not been the Julio of old. And while their defensive line has been outstanding, I just don't see – I think I think it's Buffalo's uh, AFC to to lose at this point. So, Buffalo Cowboys is my pick still. KG, who are you going with?
0: Well, you may not trust Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to trust in Mike Vrabel, who coaches okay. Ryan okay. Tannehill. Right. I'm going to take the, the Titans right now. Kevin Byard's been really good for them. He's been picking the ball off like crazy for them. And they're on a six-game winning streak, and they have the easiest schedule remaining in the NFL for the rest of the season. They're going to win a ton of football games, are the Tennessee Titans. And right now I'm gonna go with Chris and put the Packers in there. They've been doing a lot of this without Jair Alexander, their top corner. Defensively they've been really good. AJ Dillon has been really good at the running back spot for them. Yep. Uh I got the Rams, or excuse me, the Titans and the Packers right now at the Super Bowl and now with, today.
1: With Aaron Jones potentially being out for a few weeks. I think mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon's gonna get a great opportunity to run the football really well here. They play the Rams next week. Not this Sunday. Next Sunday. Packers, Rams. I think it's in Lambeau. That's Ooh, that's going to be a great game. Can't wait for that. Hey, let's transition now to our high school portion of the show. A huge weekend of Texas high school football, the second round of the playoffs, and our NBC5 Big Game Friday game of the week is an awesome game in Ellis Stadium in Irving, a neutral site location between two fantastic programs in North Texas. That is the Arlington Martin Warriors taking on the Louisville Fightin' Farmers. I just love Louisville's mascot, the Fightin' Farmers. They got the dude with the pitchfork. You know, it's just a great logo. I love this game. I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup uh, for a number of reasons. One of the main reasons why is because last season, these two teams had a huge uh, game that, that they played in the second round of the playoffs. Both teams were really good. And it was considered to be one of the games of the week. And then out of nowhere, Arlington Martin beat Louisville 68 to nothing. I mean, no one saw it coming. Everybody thought this was going to be a one-score game and everything went wrong for Louisville in the game, everything went right for Arlington Martin. So since that point, you could be sure that Louisville has had that game on their mind all offseason and they've bounced back from that. They had a 10 in one year. They're running back Damian Martinez, who's headed to Oregon State, is playing right now with a broken hand with a huge cast on his hand by the way and playing through it. These guys are ready to go against a very good Arlington Martin team. Once again, Bob Wager's teams are good every year. 29 wins over the last three seasons. So I'm expecting it to be a lot closer than 68 to nothing. I still picked Martin to win the game, but I'm expecting it to be a one-score game tonight because I thought that's what was going to happen last year as well. I had a chance to speak with both Louisville coach Michael O'Dell and Arlington Martin head coach Bob Wager about last year's game the surprise of that moment and what it means for this year's game.
4: We were a good team last year, but we, we have a, a big mountain to, to go over. And that's the, you know, the, 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 the dominant programs in six a and especially this region, um, you know, that that are there, you know, uh, every year in and year out, you know, that's the next hump is to get there and, and to go compete at that level. And, uh, and last year we were embarrassed. Uh, you know, we showed up, uh, didn't, Play well, didn't coach well, didn't execute well, you name it. We focus on us,
5: and uh, yes, we had a <clears throat> we had an explosion in all three phases a year ago against a really, really talented, really well coached Louisville team, and it just happened to be our night, and so uh, for us that's that's a, a distant past in the rear view mirror. Um, our sole motivation, regardless
3: of who the opponent is, is to to play for our pads to get the opportunity to play one more week. Uh, with the guys that we've grown up with since we were in kindergarten.
1: I love that. I just I think that's a great way to put it from Coach Wager right there. And, you know, it was funny. I, I was talking with somebody last week in our Big Game Friday game of the week, Prosper taking on uh, Flower Mound Marcus, and Prosper wins late in the game. Just a fantastic game there. And afterward, it was in overtime, actually. And and the Marcus players, like an hour and a half after the game, some of them were still sitting in the stands you know, just kind of like taking in the moment that, you know, realizing their career is over. And one of my buddies who didn't play football was like, I just want to go over to tell him, guys, it's going to be all right. You got the rest of your life ahead of him. And I looked at him and I said, man, you didn't play football. You don't understand that there is no, Bob actually said in our conversation there, you and I can go down and play golf, you know, whenever we want, we can go play tennis. We can go, you know, there are all sorts of play, you know, old man softball. I mean, this kind of stuff, right? (laughs) They're, you're, they're not handing out shoulder pads and helmets, you know, to go and just let's go play a pickup game down at the park. It's like when this is done, it's done. And it's such a huge commitment for these kids to play at this level that these games, they carry a lot of weight, man. I mean, these are moments that these kids are going to remember for the rest of their lives. And so I, we try to remember that at NBC5 when we cover the games that it's like these games are the Super Bowl for these kids and their careers for many of them are going to come to an end tonight, and it's an unfortunate, but it's what also makes the sport so great, and it's what brings so much passion and energy. And I think it's going to be a great matchup tonight. I'm excited to be at the Louisville Arlington Martin game tonight.
0: Yeah, Coach Wager has me ready to run through Let's a wall go! because the way that he put that to have another opportunity to play another game with the guys that you've grown up with since kindergarten that's a powerful way yeah. to be able to motivate your guys to get ready to play. Martin though has won seven in a row. They've scored sixty more than sixty points in four of those wins. I do expect Arlington Martin to handle their business, but uh, love the motivation that yeah. they're going to be playing with going into the weekend. Yeah, the
1: the great thing about the Arlington Martin program that I like quite a bit is that they don't have anybody at the top of their statistical leaderboards in like the Dallas Morning News stats. Their quarterback is the very last guy on the page, you know, of like the top twenty five. No running back, no receiver, no. And the reason why I talked to Bob about it this week, he said it's because we dominate in special teams in the little things in the game. So we play on average with 25 fewer yards on the field on offense because of kick returns, of recovering, you know, blocking punts, things like that. So our guys, we score a ton. We don't give up very many points, but we never have high rushing numbers and high passing numbers because we're starting at midfield where most teams are starting at the 25 or the 30. I thought that was a very interesting uh, approach and way to look at it there. Another fantastic game this weekend. Man, there are a bunch of them. But one of my favorites is going down at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Man, what a matchup between Dallas Jesuit and Denton Guyer for the opportunity to move on to the third round of the playoffs. Dallas Jesuit, led by their running back, Robert Fitzgerald. He's also a defensive back. He was in studio on the Inside High School Sports Show this past week, getting our MVP Bobblehead Award. He's going to play DB, safety, at Northwestern. He's a really bright kid, really good player. And this year, Coach Hickman over there said, hey, you know, we're thinking about handing the ball off to you. Will you play running back? Sure, Coach, no problem. And he's turned into arguably the best two-way player in the state at high-level football in the state of Texas. He's awesome. But so is Denton Guyer, man. I mean, Rodney Webb has done just such a great job coaching Denton Guyer this year. Their quarterback, Jackson Arnold, is one of the best in the state as a junior. I expect him to be one of the stars of high school football next season. And anytime it's going down at Ford Center, you know it's going to be rocking in that building, too. I, lo- I love that matchup there.
0: An unstoppable force taking on an immovable object. There you, go. you know, Jesuit averaging, what, nearly 45 points per game during their nine-game winning streak. Denton Guyer, though, has held seven opponents to 17 points or less this season intercepted Nick Evers five times wow. <laughs> and not a, look and they're not afraid to make house calls either when it comes to picking <laughs> out the football and taking it in to the end zone this should be a lot of fun in this game I gonna take Jesuit though in this game oh yeah going with the upset I am going to yeah. go with the upset you mentioned there,
1: yeah. those pick sixes last week by the way mm-hmm. can't remember the last name I apologize to the family okay but it was twin brothers both had a pick six they're twins on the in the same <laughs> defensive backfield that Denton Guyer, and in the same playoff game they each had a pick six in the game how cool is that I thought that was awesome uh, finally, another awesome game. Again, we could do 10 of these games right now, but uh huge game on Saturday at Globe Life Field between Rockwall, the Yellow Jackets, taking on DeSoto. Rockwall led by their quarterback, Braden Locke, who's headed to Mississippi State, putting up huge numbers once again. You know, really, though, some you know the theme of the day has been too high, right? I and mean, we've been talking about that. A lot of teams are doing that to Rockwall. We had Braden in studio a few weeks ago, and he said he's had to be okay with handing the ball off. And, well, you're going to give us eight yards? We're going to take it, you know? And so... He hasn't thrown for as many yards. He's still been just as dominant, but he's going against a very, very tough team in the DeSoto DeSoto Eagles. Uh, Their quarterback, Matt Allen, last week, four touchdown passes. He was the uh, Dallas Morning News' high school football player, offensive player of the week last week. Went off in DeSoto's win. Man, I love this game. I think it's different styles. It's on a Saturday afternoon in Globe Life Field on the afternoon in November I, I don't know, man. This this was a coin flip for me. I, what do you think about the matchup between DeSoto and Rockwall?
0: I guess I got to pick Rockwall because that's where I live at. What? So go. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Rockwall to win. Look, rematch from the second round playoff matchup from last year, which DeSoto won. So Rockwall's gonna have revenge on their mind going into this game. Like you mentioned, Brayton Locke versus Matt Allen, the quarterbacks for these two teams. Allen got 38 touchdown passes this year. Should be a lot of fun. But I guess I gotta go with the home team. Yeah. And uh, and Rockwall.
1: As Lee Corso would say. Not so fast, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I took DeSoto in the, in the Dallas Morning News in the pick 'em, but literally it was a coin flip game. Coach Clyde Mathis there at DeSoto does a great job, and I think that he'll have him ready to go, but I, it would not shock me in the least if Rockwall wins that game. Let's transition now to our college football conversations. Here we go. TCU trying to bounce back after getting rocked last week. And unfortunately for them, their easy game on the schedule, Chris, is Kansas. Here, wait a second. Wait a second. Can- oh. Is Kansas oh, good are now? They good? I don't know. Is Kansas all of a sudden good? What do, you, was, what do you think?
2: I don't think they're all of a sudden good. I think they got a massive win for that program oh. last week, breaking that Big 12 road losing streak of, what, 50-something games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just came at the expense of a program that who knows what is going on in Austin right now. I don't think they know what's going right. on. But no, you know, right. they've, got, they've got a couple really <laughs> tough games, Kansas State and West Virginia, just to get eligible for a bowl game this
1: year. Right. I come to you for TCU news, so that's why I came to you for right TCU. Now. Yeah. What I do we think, think about TCU? Are you the Chandler Morris? Have you started the Facebook page yet? The Chandler Morris for Heisman 2022 Not yet. yet? Not yet.
2: We'll see how he does the last two weeks of the season, but I think <laughs> the Frogs, I would like to say I think they take care of business against Kansas. It's going to be emotional. It's senior day. Gary Patterson and his wife uh, Kelsey, you're going to lead them out of the tunnel onto oh, the wow. field okay. cool. um, on Saturday afternoon. So, you know, I think the emotions are going to be high on senior day. I think TCU handles it. And, you know, maybe Kansas coming off a little bit of a hangover after that big win in
1: Austin. Can I just say something that. How do I say this? Um. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just let him finish the season. Patterson. He's I'm kind of thinking been, the he's, same he's, that's thing. What I'm he's been around. He's still there. Yeah. Like, I. And it's fine. Like he's he's a he's a he's a he's a legend in defensive coaching, and he has put that program on the map. Why did they did they decide to mutually part ways? If I, you know, there are so many different illustrations I could go with here about like breakups <laughs> and like getting back together and then breaking up again. I don't know, man. Am I crazy? They should just let him.
0: Well, as soon as Chris said that Patterson and his wife are going to be walking them out for senior day, I was like, well. They must really want him to be around still because that's interesting that he would be being able to walk them out. But, look, he's been a legend at that program 22 years there. I agree with you. If he was going to be around the program this much, why not just let him finish the season? But at the same time, that's going to be an emotional day if Patterson's walking. Now that I think they're up by favored by 21, 21 game. I think they're win by 100. Now the yeah. Patterson's going to walk them out, <laughs> you know, in oh, this game. Man. So feel bad for Kansas that uh, that's going to happen to them.
1: That, it's just that normally when, you've, when you have the mutually parting ways thing at the end of October, or early November, it's because I can't stand you so much that I'm getting ready to never come back to this play. Take my statue down, you know, kind of thing. He's still around, you know, and so that's why I'm – anyway, I think it could have ended a little smoother than it did, but it sounds like it's on good terms at least, which is good. I think we all – Sounds like it's on fantastic terms right now. (laughs) He's coming back (laughs) this week. Uh, Hey, another great game. SMU with an opportunity taking on Cincinnati. Cincinnati ranked fifth in the nation. Cincinnati only favored by 11 points, though. KG, I think – I look at this game and I'm like, Man, Ponies with a real opportunity right now to make a huge statement on the national stage.
0: Yeah, this is, for SMU, an amazing opportunity because if you can go on the road and beat Cincinnati in this game and go on to finish the rest of the season and get to the American Conference Championship game and win, you could win, be your, find yourself in a New Year's Six game. I think that's what's on the line for SMU this weekend, not only to knock Cincinnati out of the college football playoff you know, hunt, but for SMU to keep their hopes alive of a New Year's Six game, which they can do if they beat Cincinnati, go on to win the American Athletic Conference. It's
1: crazy to think that New Year's Six game is still on the table for us. I mean, to you think about that, and it's like, but it's there. And Tanner Mordecai's played great. I, I think I think Sonny Dykes has done a great job there at SMU, and I, I think they're going to be in this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't either. I think it's
2: definite- I think SMU definitely covers. I don't know that they can go on the road and win. Right. But it's going to be an opportunity on a national stage. This is a game that there's going to be a lot of people watching this game because it's their best chance to see Cincinnati against a good opponent for the rest of the season. So the committee and just college football fans in general are going to be watching this game to get a look at the Bearcats.
1: It's going to be a a determining factor about whether or not Cincinnati gets in. You would think if they win this game, they're in the driver's seat to sneak into the playoff if a non-SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12 team can get into the playoff. I guess that's where we're going to find out if that's true or not. Uh, Baylor is an underdog on the road against Kansas State. I love this Baylor team, man. I think it's been really fun to watch them throughout the year. I don't understand why they're an underdog against Kansas State. That doesn't make sense to me. If I had a lock of the week, I would I'd make Baylor my lock of the week right now.
0: Yeah, not sure why they're an underdog because they should be able to handle their business on the road against K-State. Now, yeah. their only two losses this year have come on the road to Oklahoma that's State cool. and, of course, Chris Blake's TCU Hornfrog. So Baylor has their work cut out for them, but they should be able to win in Manhattan this weekend.
1: You like Baylor's chances? I do. I mean, they've
2: won four, or Kansas, I think Kansas State's trending in the right direction. They've won four in a row, and they have a good run defense, but I think Baylor's just too talented.
1: Too talented. We'll see. Speaking of talent, that. Questions about it. How about the Oklahoma Sooners only favored by three and a half points at home. All of this, Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, like what's going on. Lincoln Riley's upset that people are kicking field goals late and that, you know, the code. What is this baseball? (laughs) I mean, like, you know, the, the unwritten rules of the game. Do we have that going on here? Don't, Don't run the field on the field early. I mean, Man, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird vibe coming from Norman, Oklahoma these days, isn't it?
0: I think Iowa State is catching Oklahoma on the wrong weekend because Uh-oh. I think they got a, a lot of frustration uh, to get out after what happened to them last week. And, of course, Lincoln Riley dealing with rumors that he could be potentially you know, a head coaching candidate for LSU. You know, I think there's a lot of frustration in Norman that, uh fortunately, Iowa State will have it taken out on them this weekend. It
1: could go either way, though, right? I mean, it could go either way I on that. It, it, could, it could be the right weekend or it, or the wrong weekend, or it could be the right one, you know, with distractions mm-hmm. and all that. I don't know, man. It, Iowa State,
2: a talented team. They've been playing a lot better since they got off to a rough start. I know they had a bad loss at Texas Tech last week, but I still think it's a talented team with a veteran running back and a veteran quarterback. Kind of poetic justice for Spencer Rattler, you go from the crowd chanting Caleb Williams' name at home to last week wanting him back yeah. on the field. So fan
1: is short for fanatic, you know, as <laughs> we all know. Real quick, too, last game, Big 12 local ties, Oklahoma State taking on Texas Tech. Texas Tech kicked that 62-yard field goal to win last week. What a fantastic finish! Do either of you know? KG, you first. The longest field goal in college football history. How long and who hit it?
0: No, I have no idea.
1: Uh, Chris? Was it that one? It was not. okay. I thought you were tricking. me. I was out. just yeah, setting this I up. I looked it up because I thought it might have been that one. S- some dude, I can't remember his name right now. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> in the 1970s, I think it was 1976, at Abilene Christian, hit a oh. 69-yard field goal. Wow. The longest. Wow. And there's the video. It's that flickering, like, shot. <laughs> and I watched it, and I'm like, What was the
2: wind that day?
1: That is the big question. The wind had to be at his back for a kick like that in Abilene. All right, we have one minute left in the show. Real quick, KGU first. The best thing you saw all week could be football, could be non-football. What's the best thing you saw all week, buddy?
0: Shohei Otani, the unanimous American League MVP. Pretty cool. What he did pitching and hitting this year, phenomenal stuff.
1: No doubt. Chris Blake, your favorite thing that you saw all week was? I'm
0: going holiday-related.
2: Okay. I like all these stores doing the early Black Friday thing. So to prevent the mad rush on Fridays, give employees a chance to, you know, have Thanksgiving at, at home you, on Thursday man. and Friday. You know,
1: what a nice guy. Yeah. Hey, speaking of nice guys, my favorite thing I saw all week was two things. It was hearing Kevin Gray fill in wonderfully for Sean Sharif on 105.3. Man, thank, thank this week. you. He did a great job this week, man. And then seeing Chris Blake with his fiance's photos, engagement pictures. I mean, yeah. just Lindsay. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, man! Congratulations, Photos man. turned out great. You know, Thanks. I mean, even though you were in them, and I thought it was it was you know, okay. You know, that's <laughs> to the
2: detriment of everybody, but we made it.
1: I know you made it through. Hey, real quick, final thoughts. Did the Dallas Cowboys win on Sunday? KG, you first. Go. Yes. Close.
0: Close by field goal. Okay. All right, Chris, what do you think?
2: Close as well. Not willing to go as close as a field goal within a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Within a touchdown, though.
1: I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be a great game. I cannot wait to see what happens between the Dallas Cowboys and Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday in Arrowhead. We'll recap it all on NBC5 Big Game Sunday night that night. And then if you want high school football talk, be sure to check out Big Game Friday throughout the day today on NBC5. And then at 6.30 p.m., it's Inside High School Sports every Saturday, 6.30 p.m. on NBC5 as well. For Kevin Gray, Chris Blake, I'm Pat Doney. Enjoy the football weekend, everybody. Thank you for watching NBC5 and 105.3 The Fans. Big Game Friday morning.